When I was a junior at the University of Delaware, I requested a credential for Cubs-Phillies game at the vet. My reasoning? Derek May, a young Chicago outfielder, was born and raised in Delaware. And, and, honestly, I just wanted to cover a big league game. And I was credentialed. So I put on a long sleeve shirt with a collar, and I got out my finest gray gap khakis, and I put on my boat shoes, no socks, of course, and I headed out to the vet for my second ever MLB experience. Here are the things I remember. One, I was insanely excited. Two, walking through the Cubs clubhouse could not have been more terrifying. Three, I sat in the press box and watched the different Philly writers, none of whom uttered a word to me. And four, I saw Harry Callis at least twice. And that's about it. I left, I went home, I wrote a sucky story for the student newspaper, and I went about my life. But really, that isn't about it. Because you need those awkward, scary, uncomfortable experiences to be less awkward and less scared and less uncomfortable. You need them, really, to become a sports writer. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of nine books and the host of Two Writers, Sling and Yang, the podcast where one writer, me, talks writing with another writer every single week. Today's guest is Luca Evans, a 20-year-old Los Angeles Times stringer and soon-to-be Chapman University senior, who last week covered his first ever Major League Baseball game for the Los Angeles Times. And this is a very deep, deep, deep dive into that virginal plummet. This is episode number 219. Let's sling some yang. All right, Luca, not only do I know you from Chapman and from the student newspaper Chapman, um, I don't really have a good intro, actually. That's pretty much how it's <laughs> from Chapman and the student newspaper Chapman, but you're, how old are you, 20? I'm 20, yeah. So not even old enough to drink yet, and you are spending the summer stringing for the LA Times and mostly high schools, and yesterday... You covered on July 26th, let's mark this in history, Monday, July 26th, you went to an Angels game, you covered for the LA Times, Rockies Angels, one of the biggest games in baseball this year. <laughs> one of the most crucial, yeah. And I am fascinated because I uh, I have very vivid memories of my first ever Major League Baseball game and the nerves and what am I going to do and what's it going to be like. And uh, so first of all, how did you get the assignment? How did this come to be? First of all, just going back to when you said uh, you're not old enough to drink yet, I got this uh, when I when I was uh, tweeting about the the game itself. Um, I got this comment. This guy commented on Twitter, "Are you even like old enough to drink?" Basically, and I saw that in the press box, and I had to. I, I nearly just busted out laughing. But so I, I I've been doing uh, a high school beat for you know about three to four months or so and that's primarily what I've been doing with the times and that's just been awesome um and really lucky to have that because it's um you know uh, you don't get stats you don't get a lot of you know things and you're kind of just left on your own and with your you know reporting instincts to go pursue something and so that's been really valuable for that particular experience but the MLB editor reached out to me at the time, basically, and asked if I wanted to cover games or just gave me, you know, a couple possible assignments. And obviously I was over the moon because ever since I got into sports journalism, ever since, you know, I was a little kid growing up and watching the Giants, uh, MLB coverage is the thing I wanted to get into. And so, you know, he gave me a couple dates. And this first game, actually, I was just shadowing the, well, not 
just shadowing because I wrote the the game story, but the Angels beat writer at the LA Times, Jack Harris, um, who's terrific, showed me around and kind of when to talk to people. And now wait, off the know. um before we started this, you actually said to me, "This Harris guy sucks, and I'm here to take his job." <laughs> 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 Has this changed? Has that changed? Yeah, why? <laughs> to be clear, I am kidding. Yeah, he's he's terrific. I uh, aspire to to write uh, stuff like his. On I was reading his um, Angels, you know, game stories beforehand to try and prepare and and that kind of thing. So he tells you, the editor says, here's an option, blah blah blah. Do you want to cover this game? Of course, you say yes. Of course, I say yes. Yeah. Are you nervous about this opportunity? I'm nervous about every single game that I go cover, whether it be, you know, like a local high school volleyball match or what have you, you know, my first thought was, Oh God, please don't let me screw this up. Like even more than excitement. And then of course it dawned on me that this is really happening. But I think the day of, I was actually a lot less nervous than I anticipated. And I'm not sure what exactly that was. I, I covered a rugby game the day before. And I think that almost was good that I did that from that perspective that it came right the day before, because that was just so weird. And, you know, I had never covered rugby before or anything like that. And so I had to do a lot of catching up and in a really unfamiliar setting and that I was almost more nervous for because it was something that, you know, I had an experience in the angels, of course, that's the big leagues. That's that's the show. But I've been following the Angels for years. I'm a big baseball fan, so it was at least something that I'm familiar with. And then you know, just thinking about it and and trying to reassure myself, it's like you know all the stuff with high school and what have you that I've been doing, talking to people, trying to keep stats during the game and everything. You know, a lot of this stuff was going to be a lot more accessible to me during the game. And so once I got there, I just kind of settled in few questions. Number one, how early did you get to the ballpark? I got there at 2.30. Um, or 7.05? For 6.30. And that was when the the media gate opened. But the we had field access at 3.15. So I wanted to, wanted to make sure I got there and got my bearings and meet Jack and all that kind of thing. Did you debate what to wear? <laughs> I did. Um so yeah, yeah, I've I've had a I've had bad experiences with long sleeve button downs, and that's that's my usually my go to is a nice long sleeve button down because I wanna I like to you know especially for like my first time on a job I like to uh, show up and and look look professional even if I'm a bit overdressed. But so this time I was like you know. I'm probably, I'm going to be nervous. I might just <laughs> be dripping in sweat if I wear that. So I, I got a nice blue uh, short sleeve button down that my girlfriend actually like a couple of weeks ago got for me. And I was like, that this is the one. So did she get that for this occasion? She did not get this for, get that for this occasion. But I was like, you know, this is versatile enough to be, both a, a social nice piece and a, uh, and a, and a work thing. So that's, that's what I went with. Did you consider going with a tie? Actually, no, didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind. 
I think primarily because the tie might have looked weird with the short sleeves. But I've had experiences in the past where I've shown up to things overdressed and writers who have been there for a long time have looked at me like, what? And so I think uh, I think since then, the the idea of wearing a tie has not crossed my mind. My first day at Sports Illustrated, I showed up in a tie and like a suit. And everyone was like, <laughs> what the fuck are you wearing? And um, I think one of the things you learn in this business is we're all a bunch of slobby, shitty dressers. So you actually, when you wear the tie, you almost stand out too much. It's yeah. good to look good, but not ridiculous good. Because then they're just going to know you're some rookie. Hey, see it out. Of exactly. Chat. Yeah, that that was my goal was to was to look nice, but to that I had been there before, even though I certainly had not. Also, you're very young looking. So that goes against. Yeah, you. You I, yeah. you could be exactly. anywhere from 15 to 21. So I'm just saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 I'm very I'm very aware of, of the baby face whenever I got on an assignment. Yeah, I've I, I introduced myself to Joe Madden, the, the manager of the Angels. Um just after the the dugout scrum um, because I'm covering another game in about a day. And, you know, I wanted him to know my face and not be like, who's this kid. So I asked him, you know, just a question um, about the game, you know, shook his hand. And afterwards he looked at me and he was like, how old are you? And I'm like, I was like, I'm, I'm 20. And then he just kind of like turned to me and just gave me like a little fist pump. And that was a, that was a really nice, that was a really nice moment. That's one that I'm not going to, forget so i love that so he was not were you all right were you nervous to introduce yourself to him i very much was um but joe madden is a very like you know he had like an old um he's wearing like an old like angels t-shirt kind of like faded you know red old like from the 80s or something like that or you know the team and he just looks like a nice guy. He looks like a, you know, he's not an intimidating um, figure, even though he's one of the best managers there is. So I was kind of, he was talking with other people and I was in the dugout and I wanted to, you know, go up and introduce myself. So I was kind of like standing awkwardly behind and the communications person noticed that I wanted, like, I was kind of standing there with no real purpose. She was like, do you want to introduce yourself? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And so uh, I was about to, and then he walked up the stairs to go talk to someone else and then just waited right by the, uh, the stairs into the, the clubhouse to shake his hand. Um, so that was a, that was a cool moment. I just want to say, I love that you, how you just described that because especially when I was younger, but even now still, I have had probably a hundred moments of waiting for someone to turn around to either yeah. up and he walks off and you kind of feel like, Oh, what am I supposed to do at this moment? And you just kind of stay there and hope he comes back. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I, I I'll just plant myself right in front of the place where I think he's going to walk, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's always, that's always an awkward moment. I, although I think it was my nervousness of introducing myself to, I, I asked him, this was after the scrum and this was after I, I did ask a question like in the, the scrum and I was more nervous to do that than to physically like introduce myself to him one-on-one actually. Why were um, you nervous? I, I was really worried that I was going to trip over my words or that the question I asked was going to be really dumb or that like, so the question I asked basically Shohei Otani was, you know, starting and I had read a story, you know, a couple of days ago over the weekend that where Madden said, you know, I'm going to talk to him 
see how he's feeling um, because he had played, you know, a couple games in a row and, you know, he just came off um, starting and playing in the all-star game and that kind of thing. So, you know, I was going to ask him whether, you know, Otani was like, if you talk to Otani, you know, if you checked in with him, how he's doing that kind of thing. Um, and, I, and I was just kind of standing there in the scrum, like, did I really read that story? Did that story really exist? If I asked this question right now, will I look like an idiot basically? Uh, but no, he, he did actually have that conversation. So <laughs> thank, thank God for that. Everything you experience is everything I've experienced and a million different other riders have experienced. And I actually still hate asking questions in scrums. And mm-hmm. I still sometimes I'm like, is this is going to come off really stupid and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Especially when I'm not familiar with the scrum and all these writers kind of know each other and you're like this alien invader. It's a little, yeah, I think generally uh, an introverted person, but just over the limited time that I have been doing this, I think I've grown more comfortable just talking to people one-on-one because especially it's the more kind of personal, comfortable interview settings, uh, you know, because I really like writing features and that kind of stuff. And so I've gotten comfortable with asking, you know, talking to people one-on-one and that sort of thing. So Going up to him was awkward, but it wasn't as sort of fear inducing as standing in a throng of other reporters who have been doing this job for much, much longer than I have and speaking up when I'd never covered an Angels game before and worrying that everyone was going to judge me and, you know, that sort of thing. So I got calls from a lot of the writers today saying, you know, this, right? They're like, he's terrible. I was like, I know, give him a break. He's only seven. Yeah, I know. I know. I'll learn. Clubhouse is open right now or no? No, we can't go into the locker room or anything. I don't think nothing like that. There's field access. And then I'm not sure if it's the same thing every game in terms of, you know, Madden having a dugout scrum or that kind of thing, but um, something like that. But you ended up writing a piece that uh, focused on Jack Mayfield, the uh, Angels second baseman infielder. He's, playing third base, but yeah. I know. And um, so did you talk to him before the game? So this is my favorite part about this game. So before I was researching and I was like, oh, Mayfield, he's got, you know, three home runs in his last seven games. This guy who's hit 180 for his career. He was DFA'd. He was signed or he's picked up by the Angels in February, DFA'd in April and that kind of thing. And I was like, oh, that's kind of an, an interesting story. That's like one that I want to keep my eye on if I'm, you know, doing some like freelance coverage and that sort of thing. And so when I was going up to talk to Madden, I wanted to ask him a question just so I wasn't introducing myself for the sake of introducing myself. And I was like, oh, I'll ask him about Mayfield because that's a, no one's really, everyone's kind of focused on Otani and rightfully so, and, you know, all that sort of thing. But you know, maybe if I ask him something that's a little bit more focused on one kind of finite thing, like this long time minor leaguer, you know, kind of coming up and all of a sudden, um, you know, maybe uh, that's a good way to introduce myself and that kind of thing. So I asked him about Mayfield and he gave me some some really good quotes about how, you know, he didn't think he was a flash in the pan and there there's a place for him on the roster. And I was like, oh, this is great stuff. Maybe if he gets a hit tonight or you know, makes a good play. That's, that's good. I can insert a couple of graphs in the, in the lower regions of the game recap, um, just about that. And then the game rolled around 
And he, I think he might've grounded out his first at bat, struck out his second or struck out both at bats or something like that. But he made a couple plays and I was like, okay, I'll write up a couple graphs about this in the lower. Cause of course I was writing my stories. I was going along. And then in the seventh inning came and he hits a two run Homer to put the angels up four to one, which, you know, was the biggest play of the game up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is perfect by sheer luck. I've gotten some really good quotes from the manager about this guy who just delivered the play of the game. And so then I quickly just kind of changed my angle to be about Mayfield. Yeah, that worked out very well. So I lucked out. Big Wait, time. so after the game, there's no clubhouse is not open, right? You're doing mm-hmm. are all via Zoom from the press box? Yeah, they just brought in uh, Madden and then uh, Otani to speak over Zoom. And we were all, there are some more people too, but you know, the, the folks who I was covering the game with, we were all sitting in the press box and doing it over Zoom. So could you have requested Mayfield? I don't think so. They basically chose people to come up and speak and told you to stay on the Zoom and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah. Before we continue with two writers slinging Yang, a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, this is Jeff Perlman, and I'm here with my daughter's good friend, Serena. And I'm thinking of trying out a new saying, and you tell me if it works. Okay. Here I go. Damn, girl. That's it? Yeah, well, it's like, damn, girl. Why ain't you wearing a Billy Taylor Washington Federals jersey from Royal Retros? And damn, girl, where's that XFL hat I scored you at RoyalRetros.com? And damn, girl. That's enough. That's enough. I hate to break it to you, but damn, girl isn't original. People have been saying it for years. Damn, girl. That's as cold as an Edmonton Eskimos game in December. I don't even know what that means. It's interesting because... um you missed out on the most awkward part of being a baseball writer, which is standing around in the clubhouse as people dress and undress, as you stand there pretending you have a question to ask, but the guy you actually have a question to ask is in the back eating a burrito and avoiding you at all costs. So you yeah. missed that special moment for all baseball writers. Yeah, that's the one I, I wanna I wanna work up to. Um, yeah, and I wish I wish I could have could have talked to Mayfield in person, but you know, sometime as a game is going on, because. I mean, I got to admit, when I was covering baseball, I spent a lot of the games like on Twitter or well, mm-hmm. not on Twitter back then, but whatever social media platform or, you know, twiddling my thumbs or emailing people or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, what were you doing during a three hour, whatever, nine inning baseball game? So at first taking notes very furiously. And I was also, I was trying to keep stats sort of not like detail but sort of writing out like the lineup and the results of each at bat and that sort of thing and then around like the fourth or fifth inning I realized that the notes that I was taking combined with the fact that you know this game is being updated constantly on mlb.com and ESPN and that sort of thing was there was just no point in writing down stats and I was just kind of wasting my time so honestly what I was doing most of the time was either taking notes or just like this was my first time I've I've written on deadline or hard deadline like a few times by now for high school stuff or or what have you but this is my first time that I would be getting out a story potentially before the game was over essentially Mm -hmm. um and so that was kind of freaking me out and uh I was just kind of constantly like typing stuff up or retyping stuff or arranging paragraphs and that sort of thing. And so that's primarily what I was doing 
throughout the most of the game. And I'm kind of glad that I did that too, because the, the game wasn't over before I submitted my first filing. That was scary because that's, that's not something that I had experienced before. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm glad that I was sort of rewriting and that sort of thing throughout the game. So your lead was, uh, you wrote, he was acquired by the Angels in February, designated for assignment two months later, claimed off waivers by the Angels in June. It's been, been a wild ride for infielder Jack Mayfield this season. Really a wild career. He's a 30-year-old infielder who has had fewer than 200 at-bats in the big leagues and hit below 200. But improbably, Mayfield has become a July savior for the Angels, filling in for the injured Anthony Rendon at third base. Perhaps his most timely heroics yet came Monday night in a 6-2 win over the Colorado Rockies as he hit a two-run homer in the seventh inning to give the Angels a three-run lead. So did you write almost all of that before the end of the game and just plug in the rest, or how'd that go? That was originally kind of – that was more condensed into, like, a couple paragraphs, like I said, that were going to go more at the bottom of the story, and I worked on those kind of throughout the course of the game. You know, wrote a little bit beforehand once I talked to Madden about Mayfield a little bit, but then I – I kind of thought about it and I thought because for a while I had Shohei Otani as my lead and, you know, him just playing this really great all around game. But then, you know, I thought about it and I was like, well, I have this really great stuff on Mayfield and Otani is probably the thing that people are most interested in, but also I have my best stuff is on Mayfield. So I was kind of thinking about what to do with that it's interesting moving forward thinking about what people will most want to read versus what you think is the most interesting stuff and I might have picked wrong honestly just because people I mean Otani is the the biggest star in baseball right now and that sort of thing but I just thought Mayfield's story and that kind of thing was super interesting so I made that the lead and then went to Otani I would disagree strongly with any idea that you went with the wrong story first of all just to be blunt, how many fucking Otani stories do I need to read this year? Like, I get it. He's great and he's amazing and he hits and he pitches and he's awesome. But like, when you have the opportunity to tell a fresh story about someone we haven't read that much about, I think you got to jump on it. How many Otani stories do I really need? And also, I just want to say, you can't put yourself in the mind of readers. It's a terrible place to put yourself in. Like, you know what a good story is and you have to trust your judgment and trust your instincts. And to be like, I don't know, maybe the readers, like there is no such thing as the readers. It's, you know, it's not a collective. So I think... I think you went with the right decision. I appreciate that. I That was also kind of my reasoning was that there's just been so, so much Otani content and deservedly so. But another lead about how awesome he is in, you know, some rather inconsequential July game against the Rockies might not be as interesting as something about, you know, Jack Mayfield. I was texting you a couple of times last night and you wrote something that I loved. You wrote, um, I did have a whoa moment, though. I was on the field, waiting near the dugout to talk to Joe Madden, and I turned my head, and Mike Trout just shimmies up the steps next to me, and it kind of hit me at that point. And I love that, actually. I love that. I remember, so my first ever Major League game was the summer of 1992. I was an intern at the Champaign-Urbana News Gazette, and my hometown, hometown newspaper in New York sent me to Comiskey to write about, there was a pitcher for the Seattle Mariners named Dave Fleming from my hometown. Mm -hmm. So I wrote this story about Dave Fleming, and I I drove up, wore a tie, and I looked like the biggest geek of all time. And I had a long sleeve shirt, and I guarantee you there were pools of sweat under my arms. And I remember I was actually a pretty big Seattle Mariners fan. I remember walking into the clubhouse, and like Harold Reynolds is there. And I'm like, holy shit, Harold Reynolds. 
And like, as you get older in this business, it totally wears off and you're like, eh, they're just guys in their underwear. But like, I don't know, what was that moment? Was it a big, weird kind of thing for you turning around and there's Mike Trout waiting to jog up a step? It wasn't, it wasn't big thing per se, but it was just like, so I was kind of talking, I wasn't really talking, I was just kind of standing awkwardly as they talked, but with, uh, you know, some of the other Angels beat writers just waiting for, you know, anyone to come out, waiting for Madden to come out. And I just kind of like turn my head and Mike Trout is, you know, he's in like a backwards baseball cap and just shorts and he just kind of jogs up the steps. And for a second, I was like, cause you know, I recognized the face and then I put it together that this was Mike Trout. And I think it was just a very, wow, I'm actually here because, you know, he's of course been the face of the angels for, for so many years. Um, it's hard to describe because I wasn't like, I didn't like jump or anything, but it just kind of, I don't know. It, it was, it was kind of humbling in a way too, to just like, uh, cause other thing, Mike Trout's a really big dude, actually, which I didn't realize until, you know, kind of like seeing him that close in person. I don't know. There's just something about kind of like seeing an athlete in a normal ish setting that, sure. I don't just kind of is a little jarring in a way. So you don't think he was like, holy shit, that's Luke Evans. You don't <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I would have been offended if he didn't, <laughs> if he didn't have some sort of reaction. I mean, I'm, I, I am the most famous person to ever exist, but <laughs> that was just a, that was a really, really cool moment. Let me throw some rapid fires at you about mm-hmm. this thing. Did you eat the press box meal? So this is the biggest lesson that I learned from the game. I didn't bring food. I also forgot to bring water. And then I also forgot as I was kind of preparing for the game to either go try and get food or, or water. And I underestimated how important my basic physical needs are. All I ate for about like six hours was like, like a thing of Cracker Jacks and and I had like a Diet Coke, I think. And uh, that was tough. Why didn't you buy the press box meal? The $7, uh, they don't have that? Now? I don't think there was. I don't think there was a press box meal. Press lunch area? No? There wasn't one there, I don't think. Uh, or at least in the area that we were. And I don't know. I didn't want to. I, I was like kind of too self-conscious to figure out where food was and to like to eat on the job and that kind of thing. I got very lightheaded and that was pretty funny. That's a good lesson is to bring food slash water that I will learn. Were you nervous around the other writers? Like did the presence of the other writers make you nervous? Did you recognize the names of a lot of the writers? I think I was, I was a little bit nervous in the sense that Jeff Fletcher was there and they were, they were pretty nice guys. A lot of them, you know, Jack introduced me to a lot of them very down to earth and I've, I've talked with a lot of writers before just to kind of, I always like hearing about experiences and styles and that sort of thing. So I don't think talking with writers freaks me out that much in general, because it's, even though I am very young, I think there's kind of a, like a shared respect in the field, even if you are sort of young, I I wasn't super intimidated by that. And they're all good guys. They just like, clearly had a relationship and 
So I just kind of like stand off to the side, kind of awkwardly laughing, you know, and they're laughing, um, which, you know, uh, like I was kind of sitting on the end of like the cool kids table during fourth grade lunch or something, but you know, that's, that's, that's a privilege. You gotta, you gotta earn that. It's so funny. All of this is very real. You're describing it all really well. Early baseball coverage when you're new and you're a new face, you kind of just try to fit in a little bit. And you're right. You laugh at their jokes and they don't really know who you are or care. (laughs) And you just kind of, and eventually they get to know your face over time or whatever. And then you're kind of, you can tell a joke maybe in like five or six games. If you have five or six more, you can tell a joke. Yeah. That seems like the appropriate amount of time. All right. I first knew you, I first knew of you. You were a freshman at Chapman. I was teaching a class at Chapman. I think I have this right. And I had Jeannie bus coming to Mm -hmm. my class and someone told me there's this kid named Luca. He's really nervous. He's a freshman and he read your book and he wanted to see if he can come. Were you writing about it or did you just come? I don't remember to the, to when Jeannie was there. I don't exactly remember how I heard about it. Someone knew and wanted me to go to that class and cover that. And you interviewed Jeannie in that class, right? I didn't interview her. I might've asked her a question or two after uh, she was talking in like the Q and a portion of your class itself. And then afterwards, when she was leaving, I caught her outside the the hallway and asked her a couple of uh, questions. I think I do remember being very nervous for that, but she's a, she's a nice person. I was going to ask, were you more nervous for that than you were for your first angels game? (sighs) Probably. I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. I've been more nervous for covering like some high school games almost I've been more nervous for than covering this Angels game. I think partly because I was so excited for today, but also just I I feel like I've, you know, had enough experience and I knew, you know, like Jack was going to be there and I felt like I could do it basically. And of course not in like a, arrogant kind of way but I I felt more kind of self-confident definitely than than I had even though the opportunity was bigger and I think that just comes with experience I feel like you've gotten really cocky I mean you're wearing sunglasses for this interview which is a little bit arrogant you had me arrange it through your publicist which I thought was okay Jeff you're supposed to be a journalist reporting accurate information I don't I don't know what this is let me ask you a final thing freshman year you come along you're like this nervous kid just like we're all nervous kids and I want to be a sports writer and blah, blah, blah. And that whole thing. And like, so here you are now you're entering your senior year of college. You're stringing for the LA times, which is awesome. I don't know. Like you've seen kind of a little bit behind the curtain of journalism, the good and the bad and like where the, where the profession is heading and all that, blah, blah, blah. Are you still as confident in it as a career choice as you were when you just didn't know that much about it? Oh, much more, much more confident. I don't know. Everyone, I think, jokes about journalism as this really scary profession where you don't make money and you there's a good chance you'll fail and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I remember we had a conversation a little while ago where there was like a Twitter thread or something about advice for journalists. And I sent you it. And, you know, the replies were all like, don't go into journalism or something like that. And I was like, this makes me upset. And I sent it to you. And I think that I mean, I'm extremely lucky. I've been privileged to be put in a lot of really good positions. Uh, Of course, you've helped me so much with that. But I I think for people that are really sort of 
passionate about writing and know they love doing that and have just kind of a, a soft spot in their heart for that. I feel like it's not like an inaccessible field. And I don't know, I've, I've felt welcomed with open arms by everyone in the industry that I've met. Um, and I think that's a really huge positive of it is that every writer and, you know, every pro is so willing to give back that it makes it really easy to get advice and grow as a young writer. And I'm a lot more confident going into it for myself um, because I feel like each story that I write and each person that I meet convinces me more that this is what I love to do. And this latest experience, just like coming back at like 11.30 p.m. and having like McDonald's for dinner after not eating for like eight hours at the ballpark. And just like sometimes it's not glamorous, but it's that's kind of what makes it glamorous and so fun and um yeah i mean that was a tangent but is yeah you got the big mac the fries and the uh and the large coke i got double quarter pounder fries and just a just a water because i hadn't because <laughs> i hadn't drank water well look i gotta say i am uh your uh your run at the times has been awesome when you came again when you showed up at chapman it was clear you had talent it was clear you had drive and that, that was great but you really like Worked and worked and worked. And I got to say, jumping onto something you said, it drives me crazy when people in the industry tell people not to enter. Because you would never say to someone who's like, I want to be a singer. You'd never be like, no, it's a stupid dream. Don't do it. And if someone wants to be an actor, you'd never be like, no, it's a stupid dream. Don't do it. But it's almost become en vogue to tell aspiring journalists, no, you don't want to enter this field. And like, as I always say, it's not as easy as it used to be. It's hard. Uh, it's not always glamorous, blah, blah, blah. But it's freaking great. And it's fun. And like, you had this experience last night we were covering the, the angels and you're sitting there. Yeah. And I mean, it's sweet. And, you know, so I, uh, I'm glad you've pursued this and you did not switch your major to like accounting. Yeah. I mean, you've come in and told us that, you know, this is the best job in the world. And I, you know, uh, I had a couple of those moments just walking through angel stadium. Like this is, you know, this is exactly where I want to be. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Cause there's something about it all. That's just so very, cool at like a baseline nerd level. And if you enter this field, you have to be at least a little bit of a nerd. Yeah. I'm very, a lot of a nerd. So yeah, that's good news. All right, Luca. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it, Jeff. I want to thank today's guest, Luca Evans, for joining me on Two Riders Slinging Yang. You can follow Luca on Twitter at LucaE123 and see his work in the Los Angeles Times. If you have a chance and you enjoy Two Riders Slinging Yang, please consider going to the vehicle of your choice and giving it a nice review. I make no money for doing this. It's all about word of mouth. Music is by the great MC White Owl. Thanks again for joining me. And remember, keep writing. <laughs>